Welcome everyone to another episode of Heavy Forehands with Toro. This is your host, Felipe Acosta, and I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. It's been a while, I think. We haven't been posting that often, but it doesn't matter. We are here um, and we are ready to tackle this topic. But before that, I just want to communicate that I've been playing so much tennis during the summer and it's been great. It's been awesome today. I played like three hours and it was a grind. And man, I realized how tough it is to play three hours in a row. And then I see these guys playing like Djokovic and Medvedev. They play like four hours in four sets. Uh, and those guys, they were in such a good shape. That's amazing. And anyways, yeah, life updates. What else? Uh, it's been busy with work. Um, that's why I haven't been on on the podcast setting but anyways guys i I don't want to forget about you i'm ready to tackle this topic today and we're going to be talking about the benefits or we're not actually we're going to be talking about the wta players that play college tennis this is the part two of the part one episode that happened uh, a couple weeks ago i can set out uh set up the link in the description so you guys can go and take a look but yeah that's gonna be the main main focus of the episode today as i said before uh, as a reminder one more time it is that send me your videos so we can get the toros tips segment going and i'm gonna improve your tennis if i get a chance to see your forehand backhand serve or your movement or even your strategic game so anyways, that's the, the only reminder that I have besides that, please follow me on social media at Costa one or click subscribe on Spotify or, or follow. And I'm also on YouTube at, I think it's Heavy Forehands with Toro as well. Anyways, guys, uh, thanks again for listening to me and let's jump into the episode. Like I previously said, today we're going to be talking about the women tennis players that are um, in on the tour and also play college tennis before. We're going to be including uh, current collegiate athletes as well as players that graduated and wanted to play on the tour. And also we're going to be including anyone that um, committed to play college tennis and then changed their path and decided to go pro. There are a couple of scenarios of those as well. And, and yeah, let, let's, let's get going. I'm excited about this one. I promised this episode for a while already. And I have a couple of friends that ask me, what's going on? You don't, you don't talk about the WTA? No, I'm, I'm learning about the WTA. I am following more often now. I, like I said, I watched the US Open final, which was a great final where Coco played Unreal. And now I'm digging in a little more in checking the rankings and the collegiate players. And and before I start with the list, I just want to say uh, to remind you guys why I do this and is to communicate the message that college tennis is a way to become a professional tennis player. As you guys remember, I did an episode where I discussed the main benefits of going to college tennis and playing college tennis before going pro. To recap, a couple of those are that are 18 years old, you're not a mature individual and you need to still develop, live by yourself um, and still get responsibilities outside of tennis. And that's um, good habits that you can develop. 
Second is that you don't you don't have the level, so you need a, an extra four or five years to continue playing. Third is that it's free. Most of the times they they sponsor you, uh, and you get a nice nice scholarship that usually covers um, the cost of education as well as they support the the living expenses, rent, food, and any gear related to tennis, and. And some people might say, yeah, but you're going to end up spending money on on the tour anyways. But my argument is if you develop your skills, if you get better throughout college, you should go through the futures and the challenger phase at a quicker pace. Therefore, you should uh, spend less money. Let's say if you start playing futures at 18 years old and you don't have the level yet, it might take you four years. But let's say you start playing at 22, then you can jump the step maybe in one year, year and a half, and you're ready to play maybe the ATP uh, qualifying, or you're making money in the Challenger Tour. So that's the, the argument I always uh, tell my um, when I have these kind of discussions. And lastly, I think this is the main benefit you can get is that you get a nice plan B because you're going to go and get a degree hopefully in a career or area or industry where um, there's some nice job opportunities if tennis doesn't work so let's say the scenario you get a, a degree in computer engineering right after four or five years you studied you kept playing good tennis throughout your college career and then you decided i'm gonna go and play for a year and let's see how i do Maybe maybe you got a couple ATP points and you realize actually this is so hard, I, I'm not gonna make it. And the worst you can do there or the worst scenario for you will be I'm just gonna go and, and work with a in a great industry with a great career, right? And you're still young, you're twenty three years old. Uh, so that's the age to start a career. So there is no downside to going to and playing college tennis. And I believe that's the main benefit and that's the message I want to communicate uh, to all my listeners uh, who hopefully um, I'm getting my message across. First one we have on the list is Mayar Jerif. She's ranked 33rd on the world. She played for Pepperdine and she's from Egypt, actually. She's 27 years old. And now that I think about it, should I be saying the ages? I know um some people prefer not to know their ages and uh, anyways it, all of them they are under 30 so i'm allowed to say their ages <laughs> of course i'm gonna receive a comment about this anyways uh the next one on the rankings we have the 34 ranked player is daniel collins she played for virginia virginia always gets really good players both on the men's and the women's side she is american and we're gonna see that there are a lot of american players uh, she's now 29 years old and she was number seven in the world, I think back in 2022. And she made the final of the Trident Open last year. So really good player. And like I said, Virginia is a great school with a lot of pipeline in the tennis community. Next one that we have is Peyton Stearns. She's ranked 43rd in the world. She played for Texas. UT has a really good tennis program, actually. Good tennis program, both on the men's and the women's as well. And uh, she's, she's American. She's only 21 years old. She just graduated. 
and actually I believe she didn't graduate uh, that's something to verify and she made the fourth round of the US Open actually where she lost against Buldusova and I think she won the first set 7-6 and then it was a, a tough battle uh, in the second and then it ended up being like 6-2 in the third for Buldusova but she has a lot of future a really good future and then next one on the list we have Emma Navarro she that sounds so American the way I said it <laughs> anyways uh, Emma Navarro uh, she played for Virginia another Virginia player and she's American actually and she's just 22 years old uh, and she's new on the tour she's been playing I think uh, professional tournaments in the last three years uh, but she just graduated and now she's playing all in okay let's start moving a little quicker we have Diana Schneider here. She is going to play to NC State, and this is something I need to verify because she's 19 years old and she's already playing, uh, already playing on the tour, and she's ranked 83 in the world. So I don't know if she's gonna end up being, end up going to NC State, and that's a tough loss for, for the coach, right? Because she's she's an amazing player, 83 in the world. That's that's great, and she's from Russia actually. And, and I always prefer, I, I'm, of course, I'm going to say the name. Some people prefer to, to avoid saying the name during these times. Um, but I just don't want to take any merit of this player. And keep going on the rankings here. We have out, already, that was all the players that were inside the top, top 100. Actually, it was only five. And I think on the list we had in the top 100 on the men's side, it was 14. And I think one of the reasons is that women going to the tour at a really early age, I I think Sharapova, Serena Williams, they won their first um, Grand Slams when they were under 18 years old. So maybe at 15, 16, they already have the level to compete. So sometimes they it doesn't make sense for them to go to college if you already have really good level at 15 16 and you can be you can be top 100 there is no need for example um coco coco goof she's been playing uh since 2019 when she was 15 and right now she's 19 so last year she should have been thinking about going to college but it didn't make sense for her she was already top 20 in the world I believe so. So and now she's a US Open women's champion. So uh, congrats again, again to Coco. Um, so yeah, only only five, but I think that's the main reason. Um, and then it seems that players, if we look at the whole list, we have 117 players, 177 players that are ranked and play college at some point in their life. So, and that's compared to the men's side, that was 400. I think, I, I believe like 420. I think that was my, my count. Uh, so it's uh, less than half. Uh, and like I said, I think that's the main reason is that women have the ability to go pro at an early stage, while men, it takes a little longer to develop their game. And it makes a little more sense for them to to go to college um, still for for women is if you don't have the level at 18 it still makes a lot of sense but I think there's a tendency for them to uh, to get on, on par with the WTA level early on 
Okay, let's continue with this list right here. We have uh, Aliana Bolsova, player from Spain or Dash, Moldova. She needs to decide where she want to play. <laughs> she played for Florida Atlantic and she's ranked 115 in the world. Uh, and yeah, she's only 25 years old. She's just outside of the top 100. Uh, and I think I think she's been on the tour. She's been playing the qualifying of the of the U.S. Open and Wimbledon this year. So she's like knocking on the door to get onto the top 100. Next one on the list, I'm gonna keep going until the top 200. We have Emina Bektas. She played for Michigan. Michigan, another school that has a pretty decent tennis program. Another American. So so far, I named four American uh, out of out of seven players. So Americans, you know, have the tendency to go and play uh, professional, uh, sorry, college college tennis. It's kind of like in their in their veins of um, go and play some kind of sport and then go on to the workforce. In this case, the workforce means playing professional tennis. Uh, next one on the list, we have Astra Sharma. She played at Vanderbilt and, and good for her. I didn't know Vanderbilt had a solid tennis program. I don't know on the men's side how they, they are. She's from Australia. And keep going down on the list. We have Leolia Jinjin. For sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. She played for Lin. Let me check on the University of Lin. Okay, I'm checking Lin right now. And they're called the Fighting Knights. And it's a university in Boca Raton. That's what it says. But also Lin is a... I think it's like a county in Massachusetts, if I'm correct. Anyways, um, interesting. There are so many colleges out there. So that, that's really, that's a benefit for all the, both Americans and all the international players. If they want to end up in the States, there are so many options. Division one, Division two, II, Division three, uh, NAIA. Um, the options are endless. Uh, you can also play junior college and then go on to play uh, NCAA so um, don't don't only think about the top 10 schools I mean I, I know as an international player usually you watch the movies and you know there's there's Harvard there's Stanford there's Columbia there's Yale and those are like Ivy League schools or really good academic schools and and sometimes they think that those are the only ones but no there are so many options and also if you don't get into a top tennis program as maybe Pepperdine, Texas, Virginia, NC States are, um, and there are more, of course, Wake Forest, Florida, those are great schools in tennis as well. Um, even if you don't get there, you can go to um, a smaller school that the tennis is still a priority for them, and you can play top one or top two, uh, and your tennis level is good regardless. Um, so anyways, getting back to into this list, I just want to continue communicating this message, message that is, is important for 18, 17 year olds to consider going and playing college tennis. Uh, next one, we have ranked 169 in the world, Ariane Hartono. She played at Ole Miss and she's from Netherlands. She's 27 years old and I actually, I, I don't know her, so I don't have, I don't have a comment. Um, Anyways, uh, she's ranked 169. So those are the, all the top 200 players. That's that's 10 
And like I said before, they were 14 only in uh, in the top 100 in the men's side. So there's a big difference. And okay, now let's check. I think we have some fellow Argentinians that are also ranked here. Okay, next one actually, the next collegiate player um, that is also ranked, and it's ranked 202. We have Martina Gapurro, who played for Oklahoma. Uh, she's Argentinian. And uh, we have a couple more, I think. So I have I have my data here. I'm looking at my, my table. And I think we have Mel Criwo. She played for Baylor. Baylor, another good college. She's ranked 570. And those are all the Argentinians that are ranked and play college tennis so far. So best of luck to both of them to continue pushing up on the rankings. I know some of them they've been winning some future to some futures. So congrats to both of them. And I think there are also some Latin American players. I I've seen some like Hispanic names, but I'm I may I may be wrong. And uh, anyways, so that's that's the list. And before we move on uh, to close out this episode, I just want to talk about some of the colleges that are usually repeated. I seen some colleges that there's like a trend of colleges that tend to bring most of the tennis players. Uh, okay, so on the top of the list of the colleges that create most of these. Uh, WTA players, we have Texas, 11 players on the list of 177 play uh, UT, University of Texas, uh, so that, that's an important number, and then we have, second on the list, we have NC State, uh, actually that's, that's pretty interesting, on the on the men's side, they've always been really good, I think one year they were top 10, but I think they're always below, I would say, um, Florida, uh, Pepperdine, like in history, UCLA, those those colleges have, have more history. Next one, we have Georgia with nine, created nine, nine WTV players. And then, yeah, we have UCLA who had eight players, Oklahoma, seven, Oklahoma State, six, the classic rivalry there, Baylor, six. So this, this school's last three, there are uh, Pac-12 schools, so they're usually um, really competitive in all sports. On UCLA is Pac-12. Next one we have USC, who is uh, have five players in the rankings. USC is also Pac-12. Yeah, I said North Carolina is the next one with five players. I think the North Carolina is in Atlantic Coast. Is that the name of the conference? I don't remember, but I think that's that's the conference. Five players are significant as well. Next one we have TCU, another Pac-12 school school uh, with four, and then we have a bunch of other schools with four. And then if you see now at the graph, let me show you here the graph. You're gonna see that these schools um, from UCF up to Texas, they comprise like half of all these 177 players. And then you look at other schools that they have less uh, than four players, they comprise the other half. So it's pretty much spread out. If I if I add this like gray half uh, 
and convert it into schools and instead of in only one bucket you're gonna see a small many small categories so i, I don't see there is like a, a strong pattern like yeah texas nc state and georgia are pretty strong they comprise more than uh well they comprise more than five six percent but they, none of the schools they have ten percent of uh, all the players uh, in the in the list so i think any school that you end up with playing at there's a big chance that you can play competitive tennis and then compete at the professional level it's all up to you on the effort that you make um if you want to focus on school you can focus on school if you want to play tennis and and do extra and then maybe play futures during the summer that also works so you have that optionality so anyways that's that's the list that i want to communicate and then now let's go and we can close out this episode all right guys that's all of what i have for today i really enjoyed this one hopefully you too and in the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking about the asian tour there are a couple of tournaments playing in, in china japan uh, the main one will be the shanghai open the master 1000 that will be beginning in the next couple of weeks and anyways uh, we have also a couple of side projects going on and we're gonna tune in into those in, in the next couple of episodes anyway guys have a great weekend and have a great start of the week see ya